Welcome to the Steve Witt Podcast. Hey everybody, Steve Witt here, and we're in a series talking about finances, specifically talking about how to flourish through a walk with Christ, the Word of God, the Spirit of God in you. I mean, I talked about it last week, and your soul, your soul is being controlled by the, by really by your spirit that was dead and now has been enlivened, filled with the Holy Spirit. And now out of your belly flows rivers of living water. It's a productive well deep in your soul, a spring that springs forth, oh well. What an amazing time in Christ where even in difficult times like Isaac in the midst of famine, you can prosper during that time also. Proverbs 22.7 says this, The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the servant to the lender. Now Sunday in my message, I talked about the culture and all the difficulties and challenges that we're facing right now. But I want you to turn that around a little bit because you're not subject to the culture. I know we live among the culture, society, United States of America, or wherever you're listening from. <clears throat> you want to honor and pay attention to the king, as it says in scripture. You want to honor and pay your uh, taxes and so forth. But there's also something of being a counter culture. You've reset your mind, not as the way the work the world works, but as the way the kingdom of God works. What does Jesus say? Are his principles true or are they not? Well, first of all, the very personality of God, he leans toward fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is how God thinks. You should too. If God thinks it, you need to think it. It's a big deal. The abundance of a garden, eating of any tree, just one tree. Think how generous God was in order to keep intact the human will. You have one tree that could tempt you, one tree that could mess up your life, one tree that could bring death. Yet there may have been thousands of others that you could eat from, and especially the tree of life that would give you eternal life. I mean, which would you choose? It says in Deuteronomy, choose life or death. Which would you choose? Well, you know what happened. They eventually ate of that tree. There's something about the one tree in the garden that gives you temptation. But the point is God's intention is, a, is abundance. He doesn't want you to eat from that tree. He wants you to eat from the tree of life. He, he confirms this in the first chapter of Genesis. <clears throat> Be fruitful and multiply. Tend and keep. Fill, subdue, and rule. I mean, this is your thing. Do your thing. Change your mind. We all get tempted. We all have things that we we know we probably shouldn't do, but hey, we're looking that way anyway, or we're speaking this thing anyway, or we're listening to this thing anyway. It's just the way human nature is. But literally, you can stop that with a change of mind. You don't have to have any high spiritual touch or even accountability partner. You can, by the power of the Holy Spirit in your will, there's nothing wrong with those things, but in your will, you can just say, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to change my mind and do something different. Of course, it says in Romans 12, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed, transformed to a renewing of what? Your mind, because your mind is the is the ruler of your soul under the power and presence of of the Holy Spirit. When the mind is affected, the will and the emotions and your senses will all come into play. They'll line up. They're military. They know how to do it. When the mind says it, we'll do it. When your mind is negative on something, like gossiping or something like that, it's gossip is basically 
negative prophecy. It's, I, I would call it demonic prophecy. Complaining is like, uh, <clears throat> oh, well, that's like uh, hellish uh, praise. You're, you're praising the wrong way. You're praising the devil. You're speaking to those things that are never going to happen. You're speaking to things that are going to build strongholds in your mind. You're speaking to things that are going to bring death. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So you speak life. You learn how to communicate life. You learn how to not meditate on death. You speak life. When you hear gossip coming in, you go, oh, no, 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 no. I, you speak over it. You declare over it. You even prophesy over it to your friends. If I have a friend that comes and gossips to me, I said, you know what? <clears throat> I haven't had that experience. Actually, I found the person is is quite delightful, actually. And when you say that, you shut down that person and you will not destroy the friendship. It just keeps them curbed and realizing, like, you don't want to rule your, your life to be ruled by those kind of negative things that you're never going to be able to verify. And therefore, they're going to torment you constantly. Is Bill really like that? Is Susan really like that? Is Frank really like that? Everything gets filtered through that information. So God's calling us to get out of slavery, get out of mindsets that are holding you back, especially with money. It says in Corinthians that we're to tear down strongholds. Your strongholds have been built in your life by what you believe about money. You've become a slave. Sunday, I shared the great quote by Harriet Tubman where she said, I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. When the moment comes that you realize you're a slave to money, you're in debt up to your eyeballs, <clears throat> or maybe not up to your eyeballs, maybe up to your waist, maybe up to your knees, I don't know, but you're in debt. And when you're in debt, you're a slave to the lender. Oh, no, 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 I've got it worked out. It's 36 months. You're a slave to the lender. You, you signed the term of your slavery to three years, four years, five years, Six years. Sometimes you put up your fortune, you put up your house, you put up whatever in order to get the money that you need rather than living in the present, preparing for the future, hoping for the future, declaring over your future, and building something that's going to create long-term wealth. That's what I'm interested in. In my late 20s, I decided, you know what? I could not see ahead to age 65. I never dreamed of being age 65. I wanted to get old and I thought I would get old, but I didn't think that that I would could do anything back then that would necessarily make a difference when I'm 65 years old. But it did. Along the way, I had to do something that I now call uh, a money fast. <clears throat> a money fast is when you live a life that is, is fasted or restricted toward an ultimate goal. I don't like to use the word restriction because everyone has triggers about restriction. I don't want to be strict, especially Christians. I don't want to be strict. I don't want to be held back. I'm free in Jesus Christ. Then why are you so bound by finances? You're not free. You may be free by the blood of Jesus Christ, but you're still living in a prison with an open door. Walk out of the door. Get up, take a stand, walk out. And the way you walk out is by preparing your life by the wisdom given to you by God through the power of your Holy, the Holy Spirit. You have the will to do it. The will do, the will do, the will to do it. And so you start doing it. You put together a money plan. I love money plans. <clears throat> money plans are a pathway and a road to wealth. You can start at any time in your life. 
And by the way, my definition of wealth can be, I mean, it, it fluctuates from generation to generation, but wealth typically is covering all of your stuff, like your needs for you and those that are around you that are your love, and learning the abundance that comes in in order to use to touch others, to enhance dreams in your own life, and to give generously to those that are serving and pouring into your life your friends, your family, your coaches, whoever it might be. Learn how to make friends through the money that God has given you. That is scriptural. And maybe I'll cover that in a future podcast. So whatever that is, that could be $70,000 for you. It could be 100000 I don't think there's anything magic to a certain number because like the Jews believe, the Jews traditionally believe that you are your money, that your money speaks to who you are. That's why Jews, I know this is stereotyping, but I've read enough about it to be able to stereotype. Jews typically know how to do business. Jews typically know how to build wealth. Where did they learn that? All the way back to Abraham. Or maybe you think we're sons and daughters of Abraham. We are sons and daughters of somebody who negotiated with God. You negotiate with God, you got some chutzpah. I mean, think about it. When, when What would spare Sodom? 50 righteous people? Okay, find 50 righteous people. And then and he goes in, I forget how it is exactly. He says, you know, 45, 40, 35, 30, he works his way down to 10, which is now the standard for, for Jews in a city to create a synagogue together, a place of worship together is get 10 righteous Jews. And so Jews understand how to create wealth. And the mindset of a Jew is, show me your money and I'll, I'll tell you who you are. Show me where you're spending your money and I can I can predict your future. You said, oh, no, it's impossible. Yeah, you know, no, it is. It, it's, it's true. Look at where your money goes. Remember, the Bible says where your money is or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. <clears throat> so wherever you're spending money is what you love and what you cherish. And pull it up on your Visa account sometime. Look at the little pie chart. I've done it. I tend to like eating out, apparently, because that's what my pie chart says. I tend to like buying some clothes. That's what my pie chart says. I tend to like travel. That's what my pie chart says. And I think, well, I really love my grandchildren. Well, how come your money's not geared toward your grandchildren? I need to make adjustments because that's what I really love. Why is it not be reflected in my money? <clears throat> All your money tells a story. And the story tells you whether you're going to be wealthy or whether you're going to be impoverished or whether you're going to be living from paycheck to paycheck. I mentioned Sunday. Most people in America are between $500 and $1,000 of quasi-bankruptcy, meaning they may not declare bankruptcy, but they're going to be pinched by the bills they owe and they are bankrupt in attitude, heart, and spirit. It's defined by lack, loss, and limitation. I don't, want to, I don't want to live in lack land. I want to live in abundance land. I want to live in a flourish land. I understand not any life is perfect. We have down times, but we prepare for those down times by having emergency funds. I have a number in my bank account. <clears throat> if it dips under, and it has it periodically, it has. If it dips under a certain number, I go on red alert. And you know, I learned this from Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett loves to go out every morning and have a, I think it's a, uh, <clears throat> a, a, an egg sandwich. What's that called? An egg McMuffin or something. And sometimes he likes to get a, a hash brown with it, you know. But when he, <laughs> it's funny, when he, when he's market is down on his, on his business, 
he cuts back to just the hash brown. I heard him say that. I thought, well, that's that's crazy because he's a billionaire. But see, he it's not it's not the amount of money; it's the mindset. <clears throat> Is he a, got a poverty mindset? I don't think so. He's created billions of dollars. He did for a long time live in the same house for I think like thirty years. I don't know. He may still have uh, do that. Like he he wasn't affected by the amount of money he had. <clears throat> he didn't have to get a better car or better house or whatever. He just loved creating wealth. He loved doing good things for people, loved helping, carrying people along with him. That is a powerful mindset. It should be the Christian mindset. Rather than begging from town to town, which happened one of the great saints of old, they would go into a town and beg for money so that they could preach the gospel. It worked, but I wouldn't do that. That is, I think, a poverty mindset. And so we want to build wealth because it speaks to who we are. Again, that wealth could be 80,000. That wealth could be 100. That wealth could be millions. I've set my my desires and my goals high because there's a lot of things I want to do. I want to be able to give cars away to people. I want to be able to give vacations away to people when they really need it. <clears throat> Someday, I want to be able to give a house to somebody. I really do. I mean, I want to. that means I'm going to need millions of dollars to do that. And so behind the scenes, I I do the key things I need to do. I cut off outflow of money that is taking me in debt. I have not been in debt for a long time. Uh, let's exclude the house, although my house is paid off. Let's cut that out for a minute because that is an investment debt. I think that's okay. But normal day-to-day credit card type debts or owing people money, even student debts, we've got to get rid of because that debt enslaves you. Don't string it out for 30 years. Don't string it out for 10 years. And here's the deal with credit card. With credit card, if you're paying the minimum balance, typically you're paying the interest on the credit card plus 1% toward principal. 1% toward principal means it's going to be a long time for you to pay it off. Let me give you a little lesson. This is a lesson on compound interest. Let's talk about the rule of 72. Have you ever heard of the rule of 72? It's a kind of a mathematical economic rule that 72 is a mysterious number that if you divide it by the percentage, let's talk about income and investment. So if you invest something, let's say $1,000. If you invest $1,000 in say 1970, we'll say 1970, and you're averaging a, a percentage of let's say 5% a year. 5% a year means it's going to take, uh, uh, let's see, 5%, 72 divided by 5% is what? That's 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14. Yeah, 14 years it will take for you to double your money at 5%. This is why investing in the right places is very important. You want to find a place that has an average of over 10%. Really, even higher than that if you can. They're hard to find. But if you do 10%, you're doubling your money just a little bit over every seven years. So my $1,000 will take seven years to be $2,000. And you say, well, that's not a lot of money. It's not. But hey, you made it without doing anything, so that's pretty good. Now, here's the deal. Over 14 years, if you keep it in a 10% deal, it's going to grow every seven years. So now the $2,000 which 1000 was your initial pr- principal investment. Now you've doubled it with, with interest over seven years. <clears throat> That's why it's so important in your 20s and 30s to begin investing 
long-term toward your future at the end of your life because you need time. Time is your greatest gift that you have. So thank God for it. Start early. You get 60, 70, 80 years old. Time is a time is going, a lot of your time is gone. You don't have that. You got to go with higher interest and a, a pumping of higher principal into your investments in order to create an account that you can retire on. But when you're in 20s, you can do it pretty easy with a couple hundred dollars a month or a hundred dollars a month with the right interest rate. So that that two one thousand dollars became two thousand in seven years. Obviously, in, in 14 years, which is seven more years, it's going to become $4,000. So three of that, you earned an interest. $4,000, you started with $1,000. Another seven years, it's going to double again because of the 10% interest you have. So it's going to go from $7,000. No, I'm sorry. What is it? Two to four, four to eight, eight to $16,000. And this is where it starts getting fun. Another seven years. $32,000, another seven years, $64,000, another seven years, $128,000, another seven years, a quarter of a million. <clears throat> so you do the math. You can be at a million dollars by the time you're 65 if you start in your 20s. And then after that, you go from a million in seven years to two million. And so, what? Two million. This is why you live longer and you don't need that money. You're going to grow to millions of dollars if you start off with $1,000. And by the way, that's not with dollar cost averaging. If you put $1,000 in in your 20s and then you start to put $200 a month away, not touching it again into a 401k or what I'd recommend, a Roth IRA. A Roth IRA which grows uh, tax-free, which means at the end of your life, when it's grown to millions of dollars, you can take that money out with any tax penalty, as long as they don't change the law, any money out in tax penalty, and you, uh, that just makes the money more powerful. It's It does not need to be taxed. So that's great. It's like, oh my gosh, why didn't I hear about this when I was in my 20s? I did. <clears throat> I started putting money away. And every time I got a raise, I put more money away. In fact, many times I put my entire raise away. So I continue to live the lifestyle I live with four kids and one car. And I wasn't living impoverished. I was living a restricted lifestyle. I did it for at least 10 years in Canada. And then I did it when I moved to Cleveland for another 10 years. In the meantime, God showed up on all sides and I got more opportunity for money. God sometimes gives me money, which is a great blessing. But more than likely, he gives me a, another job. And it's a side gig or something like that <clears throat> where I can create more wealth. That side gig, I put it into funds. I invest it for the future because I know that it starts leaping ahead and leaping ahead and it becomes a fun thing at the end of your life. And you get to do some amazing blessings for other people who are wanting to go to school and they can't afford it, wanting to go to the mission field, they can't afford it. You can help them in the midst. Someone that has a tragedy, you can move in and, and create a nuclear gift. I had an NFL player once give a gift to our church that it was a sizable gift. It was six figures. And when he gave that six figures, it was a nuclear gift. I told him that. He said, what does that mean? I said, you shot us in. It was blasted us into the future. We wouldn't have been able to do what we're going to do with that gift for at least another four or five years. But now we can do it now. You bring someone's future and their dreams into the present when you pour into them in generosity. What a fun thing it is. It's a face changer. It's a game changer. It gets them out of debt. It brings it breaks fear off their life. You know what happens when people get that fear broken off their life? <clears throat> They're released from slavery. 
when they're released from death, they're released from slavery. And here's what happens when they're released from slavery. I love this, this verse. Let me pull it up here real quick. There's a verse in Psalm 126. It's about the, the Israelites when they came out of slavery. And this is what this is what you can look forward to. You look forward to the joy that was set before you, which was set before Jesus Christ in the ultimate slavery of being nailed to a cross. He knew that he had to withstand this moment of being enslaved by people that hated him. But on the other side of that slavery was resurrection. Resurrection life, free, debt free. Jesus paid a price for every one of us. And not only did he become debt-free in his earthly life, but now it's projected upon every believer that follows him. We are free from debt. Don't go back into debt again. You're going to feel that same slavery you had almost as intense as before you were even a Christian. Stay free because this is what free people are like. It says in one, Psalm 126, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. See, the dreams come back, laughter comes back, singing comes back. And they said among the nations, this is what other people say about you, the Lord has done great things. Yes, I love that. What a testimony. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. That is powerful. And they say, bring back all the captivity, Lord, and the streams in the south. In other words, a, a dream to free other people now comes into your life. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. That's right. It's on the other side of debt. He who continually goes forth weeping during the time of debt. God, help me. God, get me out of here. You begin to now move your way out. God gives you the energy to do it, and God delivers you through divine gifts that come in your life. He continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. In other words, in the midst of the weeping, you're sowing. You're sowing when you say, really, I'm too poor to pay my tithe. I'm too poor to give to a poor person. I'm poor. Someone needs to give to me. If you sow of your seed during that time, it says, he who continually sows goes forth, weeping, bringing seed for sowing, shall doubtlessly, doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Wow, what a powerful thought. This is a time now to begin to sow even in the midst of your difficult time, to begin to learn the principles of tithing one-tenth. It's the thing that's kept me alive and strong since I was 12 years old. It was a Jewish tradition for thousands of years, really beginning with Abraham. <clears throat> and now it's continuing for 2,000 more years in the church. Many people think, oh, it's bondage. No, no, it's the beginning of generosity and it's the pathway to wealth. You begin to tithe. The Lord even said, look, test me in this. I mean, really, if God was here today and he told you, look, look, Start giving. If he told you face-to-face, -face, Jesus said, give 10% into the kingdom and purposes of God right off the top of your money. Test me in this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven. It's, it's, the, it's the expanded version of, of the gospels where he said, give, and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will I give to you? So you give a 10%. You say, oh, I can't afford 10%. I tell people, you can't afford not to give 10%. It is the fastest pathway out of, out of debt and out of uh, uh, wealth suppression. It's the fastest pathway out of 
fear and bondage and debt that is killing you on every side. He died for every aspect of our life. He died for our our, uh, eternal spirit. He died to bring forth the flourishing heart. We even read about it in the Torah, the old covenant. It says in Hebrews that we're in a better covenant now. What is better than the blessings of Abraham? What is better than the promise of Moses that if we follow carefully the word of God and walk in his ways, we will be blessed in every way. We'll be called the head and not the tail. I mean, it's amazing. It says the blessings will not only follow you, they will overtake you. I want to be overtaken by a blessing, not by a policeman, by a blessing. I want to be pulled over by a blessing. Hey, hey, you're going a little fast there. It took me a minute, but I caught up with you. Oh, no, am I getting a ticket? No, no, actually, I'm giving you money. What? That's what the policemen of heaven are like. (laughs) You get pulled over by a cop in heaven, they're giving you money. I mean, you look in your rearview mirror, woo, 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 woo. You're like, praise God. I've got a blessing coming my way. The Holy Spirit, the blessings of God caught up with me. What a powerful thing. The policeman walks up and says, was I going too fast? Well, man, you sowed this like when you were 50 years old. And it took me 15 years to catch up with you. But hey, here it is. Here's the blessing of God. I'm paying off your mortgage. What? I'm paying off your debts. What? I'm giving you a blessing to do some dream things that you've wanted to do your whole life. Oh, Lord, I don't want to do anything just just outside the the small things that you've asked me to do. You know what the Spirit's God's going to say? He's he's not going to slap you upside the head, but he's going to say, what is wrong with you? Through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, this is Romans 5, 17. Through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you shall reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would prosper and be in good health. Three John, third John. I pray that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prosper. If you're not prospering, I mean, I could ask a New Testament, New Covenant question, but I'm not going to ask it because I don't want to bring any condemnation upon anyone. But I could ask the question. I, I think I have to ask the question, but I could ask the question, is your money, is your money speaking to, to your soul or is your soul speaking to your money? Is it possible that what it says in 3 John is true, that as your soul prospers, you will prosper? What's going on in your soul? If you're living under a, uh, a poverty spirit, if you're living under a, a, a feeling of hate for self, suicidal thoughts and everything else, you can't prosper. You can't prosper. You built up a stronghold of thought about your life. Until that stronghold comes down, it's going to be very difficult. I mean, you may break out here and there, obviously. But it's going to be very difficult for you to live the life that comes with flourishing, which is not just money, by the way, but is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, and peace, and and six others. Love, joy, and peace. I'm living in love, joy, and peace. And the prosperity of my soul is instructing, or prosperity of my soul is instructing my literal daily life that I live in love, joy, and peace. And by the way, I even have a few dollars in my pocket. That's prosperity. That's living in prosperity. And some of you are going to create wealth. And if you'll stick with me through these next few months as I teach more and more on this, you will begin. You either become wealthy or you're going to get on a path 
of understanding why wealth is important, why Jews disproportionately are wealthy compared to any other class of people. Why did that happen? And why is it part of the promise of God? I'm not saying everyone's going to be multimillionaires. Some will. Some will even be billionaires. I'm not even saying that you're going you're gonna to be extravagant, throwing money all over your front lawn because you've got a money tree in the back lawn. No, you're going to become, a, you're going to become God's businessman or businesswoman, full of wisdom, crafty, shrewd, understanding, wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove, knowing how to plant your seed appropriately to bring forth amazing fruits. And the first thing you can do is get out of debt Snowball it. Watch some Dave Ramsey stuff. I love Dave Ramsey. <clears throat> go on his uh, website or go on his social media. Watch the stuff. Learn how to snowball your debt. Learn how to get out of debt as fast as possible. When you do, I'm totally debt free. I mean, I, I have a few things that I <laughs> I have borrowed money because I got it at such a low percentage that I do not pay it off because actually I can make more money than what my debt is only do that if you've been doing what I've been doing for 40 years. You get to that place where you know that if if your net your 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 basic wealth if you paid all your debts off and you're going to you're going to be deep into the uh the black side of prosperity and favor. Let's call it the green side of prosperity and favor rather than the red side of debt. So my debt is minuscule. It's something I could pay off today. I just they offered me an amazingly low rate, and I thought I can make money off their off their bargain that they've made with me. That's something for for advanced classes in the years ahead. But uh, right now, your key goal is to get out of debt, get out of debt, especially credit card debt, because the rule of seventy two works to prosper you when you invest. But let me tell you something. It also there's a hellish rule of seventy two. The hellish rule of 72 is what is your debt percentage because your the rule of 72 works with that kind of the same way that if you're you're getting 20 to 25% credit card debts and you're only paying the the surface amount plus 1% of principal it could take you well let's say a 20 20% 20% in itself will take you uh it'll take 3 years if you're not paying off that debt Three years from you getting that debt, it will double. If you have $10,000 and you're in a 20% uh, debt, uh, that's going to be $20,000 of debt, of debt that you owe because you're paying the minimum balance. It will chip away at 1%, but at 1%, it's going to take you years, decades to pay that off. Some people are paying off $10,000 credit cards that have become $20,000 credit cards, and they're going deeper in the hole. It's a death spiral, and it crashes with you in bankruptcy. You've got to get the Dave Ramsey. You've got to watch it. You've got to learn the principles. Listen to me. I'll guide you through it, and we're going to get you out of debt. And then once you're out of debt, that money that you're paying into debt is going to build up you an emergency fund of a minimum of $1,000. That's what Dave Ramsey says, and I would even go farther than that. I would say 5000 uh, $5,000, regardless of income, have as an emergency fund. I Mine is much larger than that because I've accumulated wealth over the years. I don't, you know, there's an alarm goes off in my mind when I get to a certain point and, and I fill it back up again. I make sure it's topped up. I don't want to destroy my, my financial reservoirs because of foolish spending. And then so get out of debt build up that emergency fund. Keep listening to me. And every week, I'll take you a step further. Uh, I, By the way, right now, 
I'm going to talk about tithing next week. You want to hear about first fruits and tithing? Listen next week to the podcast. I'll touch on that. You don't want to miss that. Hey, this is the time to flourish right now. It really is. Listen to Dave Ramsey. Listen to what I'm sharing. You're going to be set free. You're going to be like a slave that's been set free with laughter in your mouth. No more crying. Laughter, joy, and you begin to dream again. And other people will say, oh, how good their God is. How distressed they were when they were in debt. And now they've been set free. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. This is Steve Witt. This is about flourishing, and we're flourishing with our money in Jesus' name. God bless. See you next week. Mm -hmm.